Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared, alongside Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. How are we doing today, Richard? Doing pretty good. Good to be back uh, on here again. I'm excited. Yeah, we took a bit of a hiatus as uh, Richard was getting ad- uh, adapted to his role with the Locked On Podcast, uh, Locked On NBA Draft, which you should je- definitely check out. I made a guest appearance on there as well. Um, we had a really good time talking about Corey Kispert and Kai Jones, was it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, so, that was that was fun. That was uh I mean those are your two guys. So Yeah. I no, that them. was a lot of fun and having that kind of audience was really cool. So hopefully we'll get there one day with uh with Mavs draft and uh <laughs> as always we appreciate everyone who is listening. Um we have a, a fun episode planned today uh, because we are finally back to kind of our original, um, you know, kind of what's the word Just I'm looking style. for? Template style yeah. of where we're going to try and break down two prospects pretty in depth. Um, and this is something that we both really love to do is get down to the nitty gritty of it. Um, and we got two very relevant prospects, uh, two prospects that had very big tournament runs. Obviously they both met in the finals, uh, Jalen Suggs and Davion Mitchell. So, uh, who do you want to start with? Let's start with, uh, the losing side first. Let's start with Jalen Suggs. That it came out worse than it, than it was intended to, but, but I mean, we'll do, I mean, Davion Mitchell probably is the climber of the two. So like we can end on him. Okay. So Jalen Suggs, I got him listed at 6'4", 205 with a 6'5", wingspan, 20-year-old freshman. Um, in 30 games played, played about 20 minutes a game, uh, shot 10 field goals per game, made just over 50% of his shots, uh, 33.7% from three, 76% from the line, 14.5 points, 5.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and two steals. Uh, for obviously a super loaded Gonzaga team, um, you know, people want to crap all over them now that they got kind of blown out by Baylor. But first of all, can we just agree that those were two of the best teams we've seen in, I don't know, the past 10 years? They're probably two of the top seven teams of the past 10 years. To five, honestly, like who's better? 2012 Kentucky, 2015 Kentucky, maybe. I mean, 2015 Kentucky's right the, there. The list Gonzaga. is short. The list is yeah, short. Yeah, it's a very. I mean, I'd say yeah. There's probably five teams that are in that range. Um, but I, that, yeah, it's stupid to me that so many people like they're like, oh, see, it's because of the schedule that they lost to Baylor, and I'm like, that, that makes zero sense. Like, I, I put out a stat the night before the title game. They played seven teams that were um, in the tournament. I think is what it was, and on average, they won by 17 points. That is not the weak schedule doing that. Yeah. So no, that team is stacked. Well, we we could spend a little more time talking about the um the national championship game at the end. Uh, maybe we should have led with that, but here we are. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, obviously Jalen Suggs, kind of wire to wire, has been a top five prospect. Um, I know for you, I think he got up to number two at some point. Um. For me, he just recently probably climbed to number two over Evan Mobley for, for wow. reasons I'll get to later. Um, but to me, I think one of the most impressive parts of Suggs' game is he's he's playing on a team with two of the best players in college basketball in Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy, um, and obviously a, a loaded roster you know, on top of that. But just the fact that he was able to fit in seamlessly with those guys. And it, it, even though those guys have been there longer and they've produced, there were times it definitely just felt like Suggs team and having that kind of alpha mentality and leadership um, is going to take him far. I know people always joke about the the high school quarterback thing, um, but like you, you see kind of that moxie, um, that you would want in your star point guard, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a leader, like he's a floor general. He, he is the NBA. Like it is such a cliche thing to go along with, you know, the most overused line of the NCAA tournament, but he actually like can run an offense, you know? And I think, you know, four and a half assists, just, this is just a preface for all of the stats we reference. 
it doesn't do any his stats just do not do him justice the volume can't go high because of the team he plays on like you said he had a player of the year candidate honestly two player of the year candidates as his teammate so you can't really put much stock in the stats in terms of like oh well he only scored 14 points a game you want him to go number two and that's just not how it works like if he had his own team if he went to i don't know if he was at stan or yeah stanford I should say he would have dominated he could have done anything he wanted you know yeah he, he would have put up numbers similar to cade um now i don't think he's quite on the same level as Cunningham just because I think, you know, Cade's length, um, size, I think he's a better passer than Suggs. Not that Suggs is a bad passer. I just think Cade is a pretty special passer. Um, but you know, outside of those things, I think, you know, you could really make the case for Suggs. Yeah. I mean, personally, like I, I keep going back and forth with him on having him two or three, because the norm is too, and it's very hard for me to go against norms, especially like in years like this, but it's just, he does so much. And I just think almost everything he does translates. Like I've, I've hunted for reasons to put on my scouting reports of negatives that he needs to improve. And the list is so minor and it's things that aren't his fault. It's just immature, like, you know, physical immaturity and things like that, you know, that he really can't control. Yeah. I think there are a couple things where there are a couple concerns and we'll get there. Um, but I, I kind of alluded to the, you know, the fact that I, I think at this point I have him over Mobley and it, it's more like two A two B at this point. Like I could go back and forth, but I think the reason right now I'm preferring Suggs is I've always kind of been of the opinion, like if you can, like those type of big men are so rare that if you have the chance to get one, you should. But at the same time, the league is so guard-driven right now. And I think Suggs is a guy who, regardless of team fit, um, you can take him and plug him in and, and expect him to either be your, your one or play some off-guard as well. Um, he, he's like the quintessential combo guard, uh, in my opinion. And... Um, I don't know. I think you have a better chance of, of making your team a lot better with that type of player than an Evan Mobley type of player. I think from a talent standpoint, it, it's too close to call for me, but I, I think that's the type of player I want on my team right now, just with where the NBA is, is at and where it's going. Yeah. And especially like, and we'll kind of get to this about like, you know, projected draft slot and stuff, but if you're a team that, it feels like this is a lot of teams actually this year outside of Detroit, Houston. And um, I mean, I don't even say Orlando is in this bunch, but teams that are like, there's very few teams that are bottoming out right now, right? There's teams that are retooling and getting close like Orlando. But if you're a team that say New Orleans hits the number one spot, I mean, Lonzo the ball could be on his way out. That's a guy that puts you just, that is an immediate impact rookie. Like that's a rookie of the year contender, even with Cade Cunningham, just because of how good he makes the team, you know? Well, yeah, and in that obviously in that instance, you're playing with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williams. Zion, so the well. volume, right? But like rookies aren't supposed to be winning players. Like by nature, they just don't add much value. Like in terms of win loss, uh, usually they're negative. But Jalen Suggs is like I, I don't see a way he's ever a negative in the NBA. And I know that's kind of a bold claim, but like I mean, top three player in a stats class, I feel like it's not that crazy. Yeah. So so let's look at um, let's start with his scoring. Um, so what do you like? What it, what it needs some work. Um, so, so let's start there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing with his scoring is that, you know, everything comes down to the fact that his feel for the game is elite. Like he just knows how to score. He gets to his spots. I think he's a three level scorer. I'm pretty confident in saying that shot 65% at the rim, you know, only 34% from three, but I don't really think that's, indicative of his three-point range in the NBA shot a lot of deep threes I think he shot 75 78 percent um actually I have the stats in front of me I could have just read that he had 76 percent from the line you know I, I think he can just score from anywhere pull up what you name it he gets a bucket and he's athletic too and I, I think he's and I hate saying this but he's like low-key athletic more than and not like, like he's a great open floor athlete but he just isn't so functional athletic um 
that it almost fools people. Like they think he's a below the rim player, but he's really not. Yeah, he. I, what I think is incredibly impressive about him is his ability to take contact and then hang in the air. And yes. it seems like he hangs in the air for eternity, and it allows him to finish through contact uh, pretty often. Um, yeah, that's a really strong part of his game. Um, I think, to me right now, it, he's hit some incredibly massive shots that, like, in some ways, like, you, you just kind of... I, I, so I was watching the the national championship game um from my phone, uh, I was at a friend's wedding and um, a couple of us were gathered around the phone, you know, cause we, we checked the score and we're like, Oh, pull it up, pull it up. And it gets to overtime. And um, right as UCLA ties it, um, this guy behind me goes, uh, sucks from half court for the win. And then he did it because <laughs> you, you just expect it's it's kind of like dame time right where you just kind of yeah. expect it like he's i kind of mentioned he has that moxie that kind of swagger um the ability to hit big shots and the three-point shooting was inconsistent this year but it seemed like he always hit them when he really needed to and you can't teach that but having said that i am going to be picky about a top three prospect um I wish he was a better three-point shooter. I wish he was more consistent. I think he it kind of looks like he thumbs the ball a little bit every once in a while. Um teachable, fixable or uh, fixable rather. Um but the shot doesn't look bad at all. Um you just wish it fell more consistently. Right. Right. And I think overall he has good touch. Like you said, yeah, the thumb, the thumbing it is a an issue. Like that's a very common thing, and a lot of get people get those get that fixed. I mean, that's a pretty basic shooting flaw to have. You know, a lot of guys just don't know how to keep their thumb straight. As simple as that, or something like that. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I think that's fixable. And and you said something really good about the finishing and how he glides. Like I was as you were saying that I was watching him. Like I swear I I like jotted down a play of this and I saw. An, there was one, I want to say, I should have looked at who it was against. I, I just watched it. Um, it was like against Loyola Maryland, or Marymount, whatever. Uh, like the last game of the year, he does a split of the defense. He takes off from just like, not beyond halfway between the free throw line and the rim and just glides, like you said. I mean, he's just in the air forever. And that's the stuff where it's like, you know, he's not going to throw, he's not going to, you know, posterize guys left and right, but he's going to get those finishes. Like the, I, I think his athleticism and length, uh, and even though his length is like mild, helps him finish really well at the rim. Yeah, well, to me, it's the athleticism and strength. Like, he's he's already kind of built NBA ready. Um, yeah. Not to use the football thing again, but he, like, kind of <laughs> looks like a football player, like, in a yeah. sense. Like, you can tell. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if, if I have one other, like, kind of nitpicky concern about him as a scorer, it's um, – uh, kind of the being over aggressive at times. Um, I felt there were times where he just tried to force the issue a little too much. Um, obviously in the national championship game, there was, it, it yeah. was a bad call. The, the offensive foul that kind of started getting him in, into foul trouble was a bad call, but you kind of have to know the situation of like, it's a college game. The These refs risk. adore calling charges. <laughs> Like you just need to, they do like, you just need to, to know that. Um, and there were just a couple other times where it looked like the offense went a little stagnant and he just kind of threw something up or, um, got a little too aggressive with it. But, um, I guess it's nice to see that he's confident in himself if you want to spin it in a good way. Yeah. And I mean, overall though, like he has the intangibles, you know, like it's, it's something that I think is more of a college flaw than an NBA flaw. And kind of like you said, though, I mean, yeah, they're doing too much. I think that's just kind of a lot of freshmen find themselves doing that every once in a while. Terrible stage to do that on. Um, but also throughout the year, I mean, I caught that a lot where he would just like he had five shots and it was second half there up enough where he could do it. But you could tell he was like, well, I haven't taken enough shots today, something like that. But I don't think that's going to be a major issue in the NBA. I don't think you're going to see him being like a guy who becomes empty stats, things like that. You know, right. I, I agree. I agree. Um, anything else on scoring? 
No, I mean, that's that's all. I think that was a pretty good summary of it. All right, so let's talk about him a bit as a playmaker then. Uh, again, he he played two different roles at Gonzaga. We saw him be the floor general. We saw him play off the ball. So it's nice to know he can do both. Um, do you think he is a legitimate one at the next level? Like, can he take on that role for a team if that's what they ask of him? I mean, I think he's a combo guard. I think what you kind of saw with Gonzaga, they never let him be the lone guard. They really didn't let any of Ayayi, him, or Nemhard, I feel like, be the lone guard most times. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I feel like they've always ran at least a two-guard lineup. A lot of times they ran them all three out there. Um, so I think you keep him out there with another guard, and that's probably his best lineup. My issue with him, though, is, yeah, he's not a pure playmaker, and he's not a pure scorer. Um, does he get on the right role, right team, where he can balance that right? That's going to be kind of a challenge. That's almost why I feel like him in Orlando is a good fit, because, yeah, they have Cole Anthony of Audrey Hampton, and they have Markel Fultz, but it almost makes his strengths pop even more, you know? Yeah, I think he would be... I think he would benefit from having that kind of two guard, like, you know, either one can be the point guard lineup, uh, kind of like, like Russ and Beal and Washington sort of thing. Right. Um, I do think he's, I, I think he's a point guard. Uh, I think I said at, at one point earlier in the season, like I, I needed to see if he could, um, be a legitimate one. And I think he can, um, I think the fact that Gonzaga runs so much pick and roll really helps him. Um, it looked like he had a pretty good feel for that. Um, I don't think he makes like the highest level passing reads a la Kay Cunningham, but excuse me. I'm sorry. My voice is gone. Cause we had a track meet yesterday <laughs> and I was sitting in the stand screaming for my kids. And uh, <laughs> so my voice is cracked a couple times and it's, I can tell it's like three octaves lower, Um, (laughs) but uh, I don't really remember what I was saying. But regardless, um, I I think he can do enough as a passer. Um, Again, I'm not sure he's a guy who is going to go out and average, you know, eight, nine assists a game, but five to six, seven. Yep. I think it's totally reasonable. Um, And again, that's kind of the way that the NBA is headed with with point guards who will score over 20 a game and the assist numbers come down a little bit, but you know, nothing wrong and, with that. And there's more ball handlers on the floor. So naturally that guard assists True. are down. That's why, I mean, there are usually a lot of guys forwarding with 10 assists a game, but now it's like, if you have 10 assists, you might be the assist leader. Like it's 10 or 11, which like there's only two or three guys in that race. Usually it was like, there were some few outsiders looking in, but now with everyone being able to pass and handle the ball, you know, I, I think that's a huge, huge thing that kind of the modern NBA just is built for him. And I pulled up his synergy page. I was curious what he was as a pick and roll ball handler. And he finished in the 68th percentile, uh, which is pretty nice. Like that's a on 104 or sorry, 127 possessions, you know, 104 points out of it. So that's really efficient. Um, also, I really think he's a good one on one player. I think he can he can yes. just blow by guys, just be able to. He has that strong first step. And again, the athleticism. So I really like that. The only concern I have for him, like the passing isn't going to be, I think that's a mild trait. I don't think it's going to, if he's not playmaking a ton, I don't think it's really terrible. I don't think he's, you know, his values down. If he's not playing, if he's playmaking a lot, I don't think it makes him that much better. Personally, I think scoring is, and will always be his card calling card. And then playmaking will just be there to kind of solidify it. But the one area I do have that concerns me is just his ball security. I've seen him on too many drives where he can just be stripped. Um, so maybe, dare I say, instead of being a quarterback, he needs to be a running back. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my but, God. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> I had to get one corny joke in here. But, uh, no, I, I really do think the ball security, that's something it's fixable. I'd rather have I, – I, I say it. I'd, I'd almost rather have that as an issue than bad reads because I feel like you can just teach guys how to not – do that yeah and he averaged uh almost three turnovers a game like four turnovers per 40 minutes so um definitely something that that needs to kind of be monitored um and i was gonna say that again same similar with the scoring i think there are times where he just tries to force too many things he maybe trusts himself a little too much thinks he can do a little more than he can um 
but that comes with experience. He's only 20 years old. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, anything else offensively uh, before we get to defense? No, uh, I guess the only thing I meant to say this during scoring, you asked if I had anything else and I declined for whatever stupid reason, but his pull-up shooting, I'm a big fan of. I think his, I think his base is really nice. I think he gets a quick release. So that's, that's why I think he's a three-level scorer. I mean, he's going to beat guys off of fakes. That's honestly the best part of his mid-range. Well, and he's going to need that if he wants to take full advantage of his finishing ability. So right. it makes sense. Right, keeps guys off balance, yep. Right. Um, all right, so defensively, um, what do you got? So I'll start with his stack. Um, he led the team in defensive rating. Take what you will with it. He had a 90.8 defensive rating. Uh, led the team. I thought that was really impressive. I think he can stay with his man. I think on the eye test part, he's really good at, I mean, just mirroring his guy. He has the fundamentals. I think, I think defense has a lot of strengths. You know, he's a strong guy. I think he'll continue getting stronger. Kind of like you said, the body's ready. And I think that helps his defense a lot. He is very handsy. He's a pest or pest, excuse me, but, um, that's good and bad. I've seen him get away with a lot of contact that would get called in the NBA. A lot of hands. Uh, just needs to kind of defend with his feet first more than hands first. Other than that, and that's all fixable. I, I think he's a pretty strong defender. Um, I, I, I think he can close out. He can recover. All this right you kind of look for. What about you? Are there any concerns? Uh, yeah, there were concerns with, I, I think, just gambling a little too much at times. Um, I felt there were times that Gonzaga just kind of let him roam a little. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, he's strong enough uh, to deal with NBA guards right away. I think he can definitely guard ones and twos, maybe some smaller threes. Um, the length's a little concerning. Again, he's just got that plus one wingspan. But the foot quickness, uh, like you said, the ability to stay in front of his man when he when he really sits down in a stance and locks in. Um, he's got some lapses at times on, you know, as a team defender. Um where I think he's just kind of trying to, he's looking to make a play and something will sneak by him. Um, but again, for how many turnovers he creates, you'll, you'll take that with, you know, the, the production he gets you on the defensive side of the floor. Uh, again, like two steals a game, close to half a block. Um, so you, you get that playmaker on the defensive side of the ball as well, which is um, obviously very enticing. Right. And and dare I say, I'm not, like, I actually mean this one and I'm not trying to make a stupid joke because this is an actual term. He would be a really good free safety. Uh, that's the final football reference I'll make. But like, I mean, that's a real thing in the NBA, though. Like he can be a real free safety on defense where, you know, put him on the worst defender. And then that might be his best thing is make him off ball defender. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of potential on defensive end for him. Again, the length is worrisome as a one-on-one defender, but I think his IQ athleticism and just instincts are all really strong, but he's still going to be positive. I think he moves too well to not take advantage of his on-ball defense. Right. Like he can, he can really get in the grill of NBA point guards and make them uncomfortable. Um, that's where I would want to use them. I would say put him on the one, let him stay in front and, and then just let him help. Um, he, he plays passing lanes really well. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I'm a fan of Jalen Suggs, uh, on the defensive end of the floor quite a bit, actually. Yeah. I, I just, there's very little that he does wrong that isn't related. I feel like the majority, and that is just like straight up bad or some red, there's no red flags on defense, right? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe the length, the length would be it, right? Well, well for me, it's, you know. And again, like you said, it could just be because he's 20 years old. He was a freshman. But again, same same sort of deal with, you know, stop trying to do so much. Uh, stop gambling yeah. so much. Um, you know, those things are, are fixable. You just don't know if, you know, if they're going to be fixed. So, um, yeah, I think that depends on where he goes. Right. Uh, okay, so people love comparisons. Uh, is there a comparison you like? 
I haven't, I haven't one to be honest. I haven't thought about one honestly. I've stopped doing. I mean, you know, one guy who comes to mind. There are two guys actually. They're pretty young. They're all in the rookie deal. They're two guys, and it's more the idea. It's that I'm comparing the idea of them is who I'm comparing them to. There's some similarities I feel like, except there's one massive, massive difference, which is that if you take away some of his defense, add some ball handling and driving ability, which is he reminds me the idea of Lonzo Ball as a prospect is very similar, I feel like, as to what Jalen Suggs is, right? Like, granted, Lonzo Ball shot like 40% from three in college. Just kind of that high IQ, not a true point guard, obviously, as well. That was that was a big difference. But there's some similarities to the prospect of Lonzo Ball coming out, the strengths of him. Um, I don't think the jump shot's as much of an issue as it was for Lonzo. And then Tyrese Halliburton. And again, not like perfect one-to-one. I think he's a better slasher than both of those guys, uh, Jalen Suggs, but some similarities to those two. Those are two guys that have always popped out as not comparisons, but there's similarities too as to how people read them. So like if you were high on both of those guys, I think you have to be high on Jalen Suggs. Yeah, mate, I guess. I don't know. Suggs is a much better finisher than either of those guys. Right, right. It's and not I'm a not sure he's as, he's not as pure of a passer, but... Right. Um, okay, so is he two or three for you right now? At the moment, he is number three, but I, I think he's on the same tier as Evan Mobley for me. I just don't feel comfortable having Mobley on his own island. Not anything against him. It's just I feel like this class is too good to have that, you know? It's not yeah. like 2019 where – because when I think of that, I think of 2019 where it was Jaw. It should have been. I was wrong. I had RJ, and I, and I very clearly see the light that it was Zion was his own tier, Java was his own tier, and then it was some guys. Um, and I don't think that this is this kind of class where only <clears throat> two guys off um, own, I guess, own their own island. You know, so I would say right. Mobley's with tiers, same tier as Suggs, like you said. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you again. <clears throat> he's he's two right now, two A. Um, but uh, how about best fits? So if if you're a, a team and you can't win the lottery and get Cade, uh, but you can get number two, um, who do you like? This is a realistic one because it could happen with their pick or the other team's pick. Golden State is a really nice one. Um, I, I mean, I dropped Orlando in there. Houston needs every everything, I feel like. So by, no, by default, they're... Up there, and then if a team climbs to number three, I mean, Toronto would be a really nice fit. I think um, that's a nice Kyle Lowry replacement, not a true point guard again, but having someone in the backcourt as a long-term replacement, like Jalen Suggs, is a win. Yeah, I think um, Minnesota makes some sense if they drop from one. Uh, if Maybe they do something else with D'Lo, but I kind of like that fit of Suggs and Anthony Edwards in the backcourt. Right. Uh, I think you'd have right. a lot of fun with that. A um, lot of athleticism, uh, good defense from both of them. Um, and obviously they can both score and you get kind of that combo guardy feel from both of them. Um, Houston, I think would be a nice fit. Uh, if they stay in the top three, as much as I would hate that as a Mavs fan, um, <laughs> pairing him with Christian Wood uh, and letting them run the pick and roll together, I think uh, would be a really nice fit uh, as well. Um, so anything else on Jalen Suggs before we kind of close that book? So I'm, I meant to say one other thing, and this is a super quick point, but uh, super comfortable with both hands. And I've always felt that was really impressive. He's pretty ambidextrous. That was the yeah. other thing. All right. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll transition from Suggs to uh, kind of the other uh, star guard. Well, there there were a couple star guards for Baylor <laughs> in that game, uh, but Davion Mitchell, um, really interesting player, uh, transferred from Auburn uh, after playing about 17 minutes a game there as a freshman. Sat out the 2018-19 season as a transfer. Uh, played the past two years for Baylor. Played 30 games, uh, 33 minutes a game. Shot 10.3 field goals uh, per game. Uh, made them at a 51% rate, including 
44.7% from three on 4.7 attempts per game, only 65% from the line, and he's a 66% foul shooter overall. Um, 14 points, five and a half assists, 2.7 rebounds, uh, 1.9 steals, 0.4 blocks, 2.4 turnovers. Um, Davion Mitchell had a massive rise, uh, particularly during the tournament. Um, but I think just kind of in the, in the buildup to the tournament as well. Um, so where, where do you want to start? Oh, and I meant to say 6'2", 205, 6'5", wingspan, 22 years old. So he, he is on the older side um, <clears throat> as a prospect. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you have to start with his calling card, right, which is defense. I, I think he's, you know, one of the ESPN guys, I want to say it was Javoni, called him the best defender he's seen um, since there's like one name in front of him. I am not there yet. He's a great defender. Um, absolutely magnificent one-on-one defender. He's really hard to beat. But, like, I mean, he's not I – don't, I don't think he's the best defender. I mean, he's probably the best on-ball defender in the class, but I don't think he's like some generational on-ball guy. That's my take. I'm just not there with him yet. Um but as he continues to add strength, you know, in, insane, um, just insane foot, uh, footwork, just foot speed, mirrors guys really well. Just does everything right on defense. I mean, can you think of anything he does wrong on defense? Not really. Uh, I think the my favorite thing I heard in college basketball all year was that he's nicknamed off night because whoever he's guarding is going to have an off night. I think that's incredible. Um that to me is the biggest compliment you can pay a basketball player is is that you say okay who's who's the best guard on the team all right he's yours Davion like that that's pretty special now I think the problem is he's six two with a six five wingspan and he he is pretty strong but um I do wonder you know it like if you probably can't say hey go guard Kevin Durant not that like anybody can guard Kevin Durant but you know you, you probably don't want to put him on a guy who's 6'8 6'9 6'10 um and obviously you have wings of that size in the NBA um but then I also kind of come back to like you know how did teams used to best defend like Dirk they would put like an undersized guy on him and, and let him really get up like underneath them. So I don't know. Um, I think as a defender, I'd probably rather gamble on Scotty Barnes because of the physical tools, but you can't deny the fact that nobody can get by Mitchell um, because of the, the combination of foot quickness and strength and just absolute tenacity. Yeah. His motor doesn't stop. And, and it's, that's to me one of the biggest things on defense is just effort. I mean, there's anybody in the NBA can be good at defense if they like if everybody put 100%, you would see a lot different defensive rankings. I think in a lot different all defensive teams and things like that. So, I mean, you can't teach all the stuff he does on defense. It's and it's pretty remarkable. And now that you say that, I do wonder how um, how that kind of play style will hold up in an 82 game season. Yeah, plus play. I'm, I mean, there are guys that do it. I mean, Marcus Smart, you never yeah. hear him about. I mean, like some guys like him, it's just they never let up. And there are guys that really, I mean, because I think one guy that does let up a lot, and he's still not really that good of a defender, never was. He's just pesky. But Patrick Beverly, there were totally games where you could walk past him. And he would only do it, like a lot of his stuff was on national TV, just big games. And I do wonder about that too. Yeah, 82 games plus the playoffs. That's a long time to be putting in 30 minutes of insane defense and defense I think takes more work than offense so yeah well especially when you're a point guard too and you're you're kind of running the offense now I I still think Mitchell's best role would be kind of you know six man type of um you know come off the bench maybe not be the lead guard um but uh we can get to that in a little bit um yeah, obviously, super high-level defender. Um, I think offensively, um, do it. Where are you on the sh- on on the scoring? 
So I have reservations about the three-point shooting. The form isn't bad. I don't have anything. There's no flags for me on that at all. Um, I think he's decent as a pick-and-roll ball handler, so he can kind of manipulate screens to get his own basket, but not like that's not so common, I feel like. And I don't know. He's got he's a good finisher at the rim. I mean, he jumped 10 points from 41% to 51% this year overall. I just don't know how much of it translates. I'm I'm very how do I put it? I, I don't know what of his game translates. I think his defense does. I think even with the length issues and everything, he's just too good to not translate. But on offense, I don't know. Like I, I just have a very hard time figuring it out because the the three point percentage jump is forty five percent with sixty five I mean the free throws have always been poor. Granted he did shoot seventy percent before the tournament or before any uh before the big 12 tournament so the regular season, but I just, I don't know how to make a read on his offense personally. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm sort of in the same boat where I want to buy the shot because I think, you know, from a mechanical standpoint, there's not too much wrong with it. His pull-up game is, is insane. Uh, I think he's, he's got excellent shot off the dribble and, with his quickness and the handle that he has, he's going to create a lot of space and that's not going to be an issue for him at all. Um, I just look at it and say, okay, he was a 29% shooter in his one year at Auburn from three. Then he shot 32 and a half percent from Baylor last year on three and a half attempts per game. Now all of a sudden he's shooting almost 45% and the free throw shooting's gotten worse every year. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I do buy the shot, I think, but I'm not as sold on like I kind of like he's not a 44 percent three point shooter at no. the NBA level to me. No, um, he's not as knocked down as he was in college. I don't think. But no, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love for him to prove me wrong, though, because I, I love the way he plays. I saw the best thing I've heard so far um, was from the draft dummy guys and admittedly shameless plug. Uh, they're some of the lock, locked on guys. Uh, they do two shows a week on, uh, on locked on NBA draft. And theirs this week actually was about Davion Mitchell. And I was listening to it yesterday and they were talking about how it's very rare that guards pan out that did not break out in their first season, first or second season, excuse me, that it's very rare to see a breakout junior guard um and that the list of guys who did that and went like first round is unbelievably short that were successful excuse me and that's a flag that is a flag about his offense now i do think he needs a right team i i just i don't know things like that there's a lot of warning signs around him. the free throw percentage the the random jump is it a fluke the third year breakout really it's a fourth year breakout actually if you think about it because he sat out a year so i mean he's a senior academically right. so there's a there's a lot there that worries me about his offense now um again me personally i think i like the offense a little more again because of the the quickness um the pull-up ability um and again he shot over 50 percent from the field 56 and a half percent from two um i think he finishes pretty well around the basket again partially due to that strength um five and a half assists this year was pretty impressive and he's sharing a backcourt with Jared Butler, who's obviously a phenomenal player in his own right. Um, so what do you think about him running second units and maybe even getting some, some lead time with the ones every once in a while? I don't know if I'd ever want him to be a one. I think you kind of need him at, in a two guard lineup. I think you do really well with that. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that like, I don't know. Hmm. I, I don't know if two two off guards makes one guard kind of thing. I don't think that's actually a good idea. But if you put him out there with Trey Young, for example, right? Like I think that's right in his wheelhouse of draft range. That's at seventeen. Um, could move up if they think he is going next to him. I think if you put Trey Young out there with him, uh, I know you said second units, but if you put them two out together, I actually think that's a dynamic fit, and that's probably his best offensive outcome. I know. Sorry, skipping ahead to an extent. But something like that, where you can put him next to a premier, both playmaker and scorer, I think that's going to be his best offensive role. I think I like him more as a playmaker than you do then. 
um, because I think there are definitely times where he can run the offense. And I saw some um, some impressive passes out of him and some you know decent high level reads. Um, not to the point where I want him as my full time one, but again, I think off the bench, um, I like him in that role. And kind of like you said, in a two guard lineup as well. Uh, you know, I know there's always the jokes about, you know, him and Donovan Mitchell being clones. And I think to a degree, there's some credence to that where Donovan Mitchell really wasn't a point guard coming out of college, yep. but he could do some point guard things. Um, I think Davion is a little more point guardy because I don't think he, he doesn't score as well as Donovan did. Um, but, um, you know, and, I think there's some credence to that. Yeah, and the difference really between them is the free throw percentage, statistically, I should say. The difference between them offensively, like, of why, I mean, 15% uh, percentage point difference. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's shot 81% as a sophomore, showed off a lot more spot-up ability, I think, uh, throughout both his years at Louisville. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure Davion Mitchell modeled his whole game after him. He wore a great, he wore, like, and I'm half kidding on this part, but he wears green and yellow the same way Donovan does. He modeled his hair after him, wears 45 as D. Mitchell, and this crossovers, 100%, the exact same dribble style, everything. A lot of his game is modeled after him. I mean, he really does clearly model, like, he looks up to Donovan Mitchell. And I don't know if, like, his improved crossovers this year have been crazy, like, and that is the one area, like, I like him as a self-playmaker more than a playmaker for others. Uh, Reminds me of Donovan Mitchell to that extent where – I don't know. He's not going to be your lead guard, but you put him out there with another guard, and I think that's his best lineup. Like, would you lead Donovan Mitchell to run the offense? I don't think that's a great play for him. I think you always need him out there with a Mike Conley or whoever else they want to put him out there with, you know? Yeah, I, I think I just have a little more faith in Davion in that regard. Um, just because I did, I saw him, I saw him make some some very impressive passes and kind of take command of the Baylor offense at times. Um, so personally, I'm a little more confident doing that. But again, I think I just like Mitchell a little bit more than you do uh, on the whole. Um, let's see. Anything? Anything we missed? Anything you want to talk about before we get into fits, comparisons, all that stuff? No, uh, no, I think I'm ready to go into it. Okay, so where where is he ranked on your board at this point? So he is currently number uh, 29. I mean, I'm still I'm still not up there with the top 20. I'm I'm very hesitant to move guys after the NCAA tournament. And again, I just I have general skepticism about what he did this year, repeating it and everything. So that that's my stance. And I like a lot of guys more than him. It's it's a combo of both. Yeah, I think the love for him has gotten a little too high. Um, I'm not quite seeing the, you know, 10, 11, 12 that, you know, some people have him. I haven't put a board together yet, but I would imagine he would finish in the top 15 to 17. Um, I think he's clearly below your, you know, um, Scotty Barnes, Corey Kispert's of the world. Um, book night, but I think he's kind of in that next tier. Um, so I don't hate that I'm seeing him borderline top 10, but it's a little rich for me. Um, but I think there's obviously a definite role that he fills as a lockdown defender who can knock down shots, um, who can run some offense and, you know, play hard for you. Um, and honestly bring a, um, sword I'm looking for, um, bring that little something, something to the locker room. Right. Yeah. No, I mean the intangibles kind of, it's funny, both the guys I didn't even realize it actually until just now, both the guys we did on here have a lead intangibles. Oh yeah. And did not realize that was the common denominator when we were doing this. <laughs> Uh, well, there's a reason both their teams were in the finals. Yep, and that they were the key second guys. I mean, like elite second options, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, and again, think, in some case, they were both the first options. Yeah. Yeah. No, not wrong. I I do want to clarify. I'm not like a. I'm not saying like Davion Mitchell won't 
pan out because I mean he's gonna get a first round grade. Like I just I'm not warming up yet to all the hype. Kind of like you. Just I'm also a tier below where you are on that. I don't know. I need to see some of the other guys have reasons to be passed up is my thing. So I'm kind of just holding on to the pass for a minute. I'll probably warm up to him at some point. That's fair. Um, is there a comparison you like? No, no. Cause I don't even want to say it. Just no, I said some bad ones. He, he really does have shades of it. I really do think is like the biggest difference offensively. And this is partially, I should have said this about a shot. It just clicked. But he has a stiff wrist to an extent sometimes. Like, he doesn't get a full follow-through. Like, Donovan gets a very hard extension, right? I don't see it all the time on on Mitchell. I think it's, like, the one difference in their shot. Like, other than that, everything looks very similar from the feet up. Um, but, I, I mean, he has a lot of similarities. That two-way ability is real. If he hits his ceiling, I mean, it is a very well, lower-volume Donovan Mitchell. Also has shades just defensively. Uh, I don't think he can guard up as much as this guy, but has shades of Marcus Smart's ability on defense. It's very low-hanging fruit for both of those. I'm not proud of what I just said. <laughs> Honestly, I think he's he's what everyone like wanted Patrick Beverly to be. Yeah, yeah. Like That's he's actually a good point. he's just better at it. Like he's a better shooter. Yes. He's a better defender. Um, better creator. He's probably not going to get under the skin of opponents quite as well, but he won't need to because he's just a better <laughs> player. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like antics don't matter as much as like forcing a turnover. You know, yeah. if you're annoying and you get scored on, like you just it backfires. If yeah. you're you look like an idiot. Yeah, if you're good and you get scored on, they're like I don't know. It, it makes you more motivated to do it again, and then I don't know. I think that matters more. Hot, yeah. hot take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, best fits. Far and away, Atlanta, number one. I mean, that is the dream that they've been trying to put together next to Trey Young. Um, I mean, God, you could even put Boston right above them. If if the rumors of, uh, which I don't actually think they were, but if they were, that they were trying to get rid of Marcus Smart, good replacement. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's what I got. Uh, I think Oklahoma City with Shea could be fun. Oh, man. A Shea and uh, Mitchell backcourt. I think would be pretty cool. Um, that's the only one that's like immediately jumping out to me. I'm sure there are others that I'm just missing, but I, I don't really follow the rest of the NBA as much as I should, considering I'm on this podcast. But what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some other teams down there that Maybe like the Knicks having that kind of that was see that was I, in the locker room. Yeah, I almost said them because. They do need, like, but they feel like they need a true guard first. Like, Elfie Payton just ain't cutting it. I think cutting he it. is. So, so oh, I guess there you that's go. where we did. Yeah, that's exactly um, it. Yep. So. Yeah, cool. another team so, just by. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say another team just by nature, Grind City. I mean, Memphis. Grid and yeah. Grind. He, I, I he fit that Memphis culture. a little bit with, uh, with Ja. Yeah, it's a good backup for if you see him as a one. That's They need a backup guard, so. Yeah. Um, you want to Sorry, just kind of close things out talking about the uh, championship game? Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of finishing, going full circle here from where we started. Yeah, I, I don't think that was a really crazy game. I can't ex- say I expected the Final Four at all to go how it went. I thought UCLA would get blown out. I thought Baylor was going to lose. So I whiffed on the Final Four. Um, but kind of just actually going back to the other game, Baylor killing Houston. A really strong defensive team was impressive, and and I, I got to look up the stats on it uh, because I don't remember what they did. But um, I mean, nobody. I feel like nobody blew anybody away from Baylor. Maybe I mean Jared Butler was pretty good, but it was kind of almost normal for him. But an area where Davion Mitchell stood out, and this is probably backs you up a lot as to why you think he's a one. He, Davion Mitchell had a double double. He had 11 assists in that game. So. Um, but going to the title game, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like there were a ton of long-term takeaways from that personally, except that Drew Timmy, it, it exposed why he's a risk to be taken in the NBA. That's pretty much all I got from the title game though. I, I didn't have much in terms of draft takeaways. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get to watch a lot of the game because I was, you know, at the wedding while I, I thought Gonzaga was going to win. I, 
I should have paid more attention to the fact that Baylor was just a nightmare of a matchup because I don't think anybody had really wanted to match Gonzaga's physicality. And then along comes Vital and Baylor, and uh, they were just getting every single rebound. Um, I did get to watch the beginning of the game and then the end. Um, and, I mean, just you could tell straight from the get-go, like, they punched Gonzaga in the mouth and Gonzaga wasn't ready to respond because yep. they hadn't needed to. Yeah, I mean, the closest games they had were when Jalen Suggs almost tore his Achilles against West Virginia and the BYU game. That was in the, right. the UCLA game. But, I mean, they seemed exhausted from UCLA. I mean, they seemed hungover from that win. Yeah, I just found the box score, by the way. Yeah, 14-1 offensive rebounds in favor of Baylor. Baylor had two fewer offensive rebounds than Gonzaga did defensive rebounds. Also, can we talk about how crazy it is that three years ago we were gifted with Mo Bamba? And this year, and I saw this last year. Flo Thamba. Because, I I, I mean, you know, I was at the TCU game where they upset Baylor. And... uh, and, dude, we, we got the gift of life that is Flo Thamba. Like, we just appreciate that for a minute. Like, if only he had gone to Texas. But Sheck West needs to hook up with him, so, and, <laughs> and do something. Yeah, right. Um, all right, anything else? Or should we should we wrap no, it up? No, no, uh, I think that's it. I'm very excited. I mean, we'll keep doing this. Um, and, and I'll be doing the Locked On uh, profiles as well. I mean, there's going to be tons of profiles coming so um yeah just keep just keep your eyes out yeah so so make sure you're following richard at mavs draft on twitter um check out mavsdraft.com he'll still be posting stuff there uh the locked on podcast as well as this one um you know we are mavs draft but as you can tell we we're just into you know, the NBA draft in general. So whether you're a Mavs fan or not, make sure you stick around, uh, especially this time of the year. We, we're not going to be talking as much about the Mavs <laughs> because they don't have any draft picks. So it is what it is. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. We'll have uh, a bunch more prospect breakdowns for you guys. If you have any suggestions, people that you want to hear broken down, um, go ahead and uh, tweet at Richard again at Mavs Draft, or you can ask me at Jared underscore hey, Cats thirty. It might be better. It might be better to go to you. My lately, I've just gotten too many. Not that sounds terrible. Like that's I just realized how <laughs> terribly that sounds. But no, like I miss a lot. I, I've seen a lot. I've had people say like, "Why are you ignoring me?" Like some friends and stuff. So I uh, I'm not ignoring. I just I don't know. I get I get All a right, lot. So of Rich, Richard's way, big so. timing you. I guess you can man. Reach out to I knew me I should Jared said. underscore Cats thirty. Um, our, uh, our Twitter handles, I, I always put those in the, um, description of the podcast. So, um, leave a nice review or five stars or whatever people do on whatever podcast, uh, host you listen on. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.